Feast High. Welcome back to the podcast, podcast listeners. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 2, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I'm Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 38 of High School Musical 2. Minute 38 starts out with Sharpay squealing as Troy gets into the driver's seat of his cart, or of her cart, excuse me, and ends yeah, with- Yeah, Condra, women can own cars. Tyler, <laughs> I own a car, I know. <laughs> and ends with Ryan dragging a golf bag across the green. <laughs> It's funny because um, I was just thinking after I said, and I'm Tyler, I wonder if the intro of the podcasts reveals, like, how early is it revealed how unhinged I am? Like, is it that soon? Like, is it within the first couple words of me talking? Or is it later when I make an out-of-pocket joke? Like, do people know... (laughs) I think, depending on your enthusiasm, when you start with and... I think yeah. that really reveals how how far gone you are that day. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Um, speaking of being far gone, we're on our fourth minute of golf. <laughs> hey, it's better than minute four of when we were doing the last song. <laughs> um, um, work it out. No, not work it out. It was sorry, my brain oh, just like Oh no, the song blanked. where they were in the lounge. Yeah. Um You are the music in me. Yeah. Which was the wrong melody I was singing. <laughs> yeah, but I knew what you were saying. Yep. <laughs> um it yeah, it's kinda like when um Star Wars Minute was in the Attack of the Clones factory scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like when does it end? Come on. Well, at least we see some Gabriella at the beginning of this minute. Yeah, Gabriella, you know, she's fun. Um, when Vanessa Hudgens just kind of is like smiling and waving, she's cute. She's doing her thing. But she has to like say lines. Sometimes it, it gets a little iffy. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to be that to be as objectifying as it sounded. <laughs> but uh, I think she's a good actor now, I want to say. I haven't seen Tick, Tick, Boom, but I want to. And I think she's good in it. And I mean, we had, we watched both of the Princess Switch movies <laughs> and liked her well, well enough. Um, yeah. I just like her, like, amused face that she's got going right now. She's like, <laughs> I'm not worried at all. Like, Sharpay thinks yeah. she's making her worried, and she's like... Yeah, there's a version of this script goof. where, like, Gabriella is, like, jealous or, like... Angrily tapping her foot. Yeah, but that's not... And I think that's a good version of it. You're right. That she just looks amused and she's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll have dinner with my BF later. Like... <laughs> Sharpay says the darndest things. <laughs> <laughs> Unless she's trying to get me fired. Even then, she's still saying darndisms. Um, anyway. So in this minute, we get the big reveal of why Troy was asked to be a caddy here. Like, we start to see what Sharpay was planning all along. Like, is that what's happening? I think so. I think this is... So she's taking it beyond the level of impressing... Trying to impress her father with, oh, he was on the wild like on the basketball team and he plays golf in this ring. He's actually showing his stuff. And apparently it's a good hit. 
they all yeah, seem impressed. Sharpay so says, hey, daddy, why don't you let Troy take a shot? And Weird. so you're suggesting that the, like, the end goal for Sharpay wanting her father to be in, impressed with Troy, which will in some way lead her to be able to date him, is not just to like have him caddy for them, but for him to play golf. Yes. So this is this and the knowledge that he was on the Wildcats are planting a little seed. And we're going to watch that seed germinate and try and grow. But Sharpay overwaters it. We'll say that. Uh, good, good metaphor. I, I was like, okay, seed metaphor, basic. But you tied it together at the end with the overwatering. Yeah, so Sharpay is really trying to let this little plant grow, but she is just going <laughs> to kill it. Um, I won't tell you how. Sharpay, the secret is feeding it blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite Everyone musicals. knows. She's a theater kid. She should know. She should know. Do you think Sharpay is into like Sondheim and Little Shop of Horrors? Like... Like I, dark musicals? I feel like she'd be a really good Audrey. Yeah, but she wouldn't get it. I guess part of no, Little Shop of Horrors is you're, is you're supposed to play things super sincere. That's like in the script notes. Yeah. Which I've read for a weird reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, like she could play Audrey, but like she couldn't play... I like she could play the the girl in Sweeney Todd. She could play Joanna, but there's no way she could yeah. play Mrs. Lovett. Yeah, yeah. But like Kelsey as Mrs. Lovett. <laughs> Yo. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, let's just cast these actors, but in another movie. <laughs> uh, do you think do you think Ryan would be a, would be a good Javert? I don't know the Les Mis people. I, I, I've only seen Les Mis once. I didn't like it. I've never seen it. I didn't, didn't like it. It was too long. <laughs> uh, so Sharpay suggests that Troy take uh, a golf shot. And Troy is like not really interested. He's like, I don't know. And then everyone starts encouraging him. Chad is also encouraging him. Yeah. I mean, he's proud of his boy. Like, he knows Troy is good at golf, and Sharpay does this ridiculous like hop skip thing. Did you notice that? Just more I feel like I did, and then just like Ashley. everything, everything she's done is just glazed over. I just Ashley Tisdale is nailing it for me in a way that I don't know why because I'm not enjoying Sharpay in these minutes, but I just think Ashley Tisdale is nailing it. Like all this, yeah. like there's no way Kenny Ortega is like, yo, I want you to like fangirl real hard right here and like jump i'm trying to think of another example of a character who's like annoying but like you can still respect like that it's really funny because i i'm like i'm like halfway there on ashley tisdale's performance on sharp pay but it's not like i'm like i'm not a hundred percent like that's hilarious how annoying she is yeah, annoying care. I feel like, like in Brave, the the little brothers, they're really annoying, but they actually add to the like. They're- yeah, hard to say because that's an animated movie, so it's not like that yeah. actor killed it. Yeah, but they're real good. Like they're well designed still. Like, like um, there. This is a really this is a really obscure example, and it's only because we've covered it on a previous season of this podcast. But Simon Helberg as Moist in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog is like, okay, we've got this kind of annoying, 
not conventionally attractive guy and he's really sweaty and gross. But it's like, but you get the joke is that he's supposed to be uncomfortable to be around. But I don't find him annoying. I don't think of him as an annoying character, though. Like, but, but I, not I, I just, in your I was face. trying to characterize, like, if you had to, like, put Simon Helberg into, like, a category. Like, you wouldn't say, like, ah, yes, that's our leading man. You'd say, like, oh, this is my side character actor. I not Which is no offense, because he, he actually is a really good actor. Yeah, And he's no. not an ugly person. No. I mean, he's worked alongside Meryl Streep. Which blows my mind. <laughs> when did he do that? Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay, I never saw that. I didn't want that um, comment to come off as anti-Semitic because Simon Helberg played a Jewish character on Big Bang Theory. I'm just saying, like, the joke is that, like, no matter what, you wouldn't find him to be, like, your leading man attractive guy. He's not Zac Efron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm really trying to think. I feel like the, like, annoying, bubbly character is often like the teenage girl character i mean if we want to go back to london or i was going to go back to clueless which we also talked about in the last episode (laughs) yeah no um no i mean clueless is a great example even 10 things i hate about you bianca's character she seems to have no depth to her whatsoever and she's just like a little she's another daddy's princess that alicia silverstone in clueless is like i'm not supposed to like Cher. But also, Cher is great. She's hilarious. Yeah. You feel for her. Like, that's the magic of that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's just, like, not the same magic that we get with Sharpay. It's hard. It's a hard standard to live up to Clueless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ty. Stop putting everyone up to Clueless. We can't all be Clueless, okay? <laughs> hey, I try very hard to be Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, too, not saying that his character is not iconic and amazing, but Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters, like that oh, kind yeah. of annoying, bubbly, kind of ditzy, but also pretty smart. Like he's like he's like a nerdy nerd, but not in like a cutesy way, like Spangler is. Yes. Like in like a, oh, this guy's actual just like a total dork that no one could ever have a normal conversation with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan Aykroyd's a good, a good good actor for that. No, I was just trying to think of someone that, like, has that kind of role that it's just, like, an annoyance, but also a good presence. Like, his group still loves and accepts. Oh, you know who's great at that is Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn plays Lenny in That Thing You Do. (gasps) Yes! (laughs) You're like, this guy kind of sucks, but he's great. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent yes. Oh, my God. Sharpay Lenny. (laughs) <laughs> I just I just turned around and looked at the movies I had on my shelf. Ah. Um, we could we could go on and find more examples, but let's. So Troy walks up to the to the ball and says to Mister Evans, "Like, hey, are, are you sure it's okay that I play?" Like he like he knows that he's like crossing a weird boundary. Like the employee isn't supposed to like enter into this sphere. Yeah. Also, he's like a kid, and this guy is wealthy and powerful and like i'm sure there's some of that going like there's just as much nerves like maybe yeah. he's aware of the power structure from multiple dimensions yeah <laughs> the, the power structure from multiple dimensions does sound like a marvel comic <laughs> or a bad like 80s sci-fi like, novel like what you call like what they call the um the monoliths in 2001 yeah <laughs> Anyway, 
So we see when when Mr. Evans struck the ball with his club, it kind of went more towards the right of the screen. Yeah. And then when Troy shoots the ball, it kind of goes more towards the left of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this too. I did. I was like, <laughs> it doesn't look like either of them took a very good shot. <laughs> Yet everyone is clapping and impressed by Troy. <laughs> Now, maybe it's one of those Wii Sports holes where, like, you can hit it the safe way in one direction, but you can also hit it, like, the risky way in the other direction on the little island in the middle. It's not mini golf, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was like, this hole probably isn't that. So the fact that they hit it in two different directions probably doesn't make sense now that we're thinking about it. But that's why you're not supposed to watch this movie one minute at a time. <laughs> I like how that's the takeaway from this podcast's conceit. <laughs> Don't do this. The movie is less fun, objectively. <laughs> yeah, I love this movie. And yes, I would have to. I'm still getting excited. I mean, it's still fun to like look at this and have these conversations about Sharpay and Ryan and their parents and try and figure out why this movie is the way it is. That's still fun. It's just very weird. I, I do like trying to figure out why movies are the way that they are. That's why I like The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a movie that just makes a bunch of weird decisions <gasps> is entertaining. All right. I'm going to say something and then you'll probably want to cut it out. Um, <laughs> but I saw it was a tweet about like a shipping shortage and someone, oh. Not enough people are putting romantic relationships onto characters where they should be. I doubt that. No, 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 no. It was um, Doc Undar. The, the store in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has run out of lightsabers because of shipping shortages. And someone posted the last paragraph of the Phantom Menace scrawl where it's like tr- <laughs> trading negotiations continue. <laughs> and I was dying yesterday. That's good. Right. Mostly, mostly because of that joke I said in the middle before you actually told the story. I'm probably going to leave this in. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Love it. Or put it at the end or something. Yeah, um, let's put it at the end. I like that idea better. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's really weird that Troy, like, he still steps in, like, he's confident in himself, and I do appreciate that in this. That despite his uncertainty, he's like, yeah, I'm still gonna take a breath, line myself up, and we get this really lingering shot of, like, Troy's feet up, and we see a swing. And he's wearing slip-on Vans, which I appreciate because I, too, <laughs> wear slip-on Vans to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't like, wow, this is a long golf shot. It, it felt appropriate for, like, the scene that we were in. It, well, it was longer than any of the other shots of someone golfing that we had had. It was a span yeah. of like five to seven seconds. Yeah, like when Sharpay took her shot in the last minute, it actually cut like during her swing so that we didn't actually even see her backswing. Like, yeah, we just saw the results of it. So, yeah, it is good to like kind of get the emotionality of the setup. Here's a question. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? I've seen the end when they like I've, explode the golf yeah, I course. Don't, I don't remember the, the context of Caddyshack. I know it's like a comedy movie with a gopher. Like I like I know that. At the end of Caddyshack, does like the main character is he like playing for the guy he was caddying for? 
in order to like to like earn something. I don't know. All I know is they blew up the golf course to try and get the gopher and they didn't get the gopher. Okay, that's all I I know. I'm just like I'm trying to remember because like there is theoretically like a callback to like a classic movie where they're like, oh, yeah, like the caddy plays instead of the the main guy and the caddy ends up winning like that is like a in terms of like film language that feels if, very if caddy like, shack is like a seminal film that feels very like arthurian legend though like the the unsuspecting squire dons the knight's armor and wins like um yeah no yeah that i mean that's kind of the the whole thing with lots of like modern movies is like the things that we take as like cliches are really just like reference, like just old references. Like the thing where like superheroes always fight an evil version of themselves is just a callback to Achilles fighting Hector wearing Achilles's armor. Yeah. I mean, nothing is original anymore. <laughs> um, well, our podcast is original, Condra. Absolutely. Do you want to do something not original, Tyler? Uh, <laughs> or do you have anything else to say about this? I mean, what happens? They all it, they all clap for Troy, and even Chad congratulates him. No, yeah, the, no. There's a couple other things that okay. happen in this minute. So right away, Sharpay gets in her golf cart, which Ryan was leaning on with one hand. She drives away, so Ryan kind of falls over. She pulls up next to Troy, says, "Troy, get in." They drive away. What this has done is that it has left. Ryan and Chad behind. Mr. Evans's bag is still way in the back, and Chad has now lost his working buddy, who is now off gallivanting with the rich folks while he's stuck behind. And Mr. and Mrs. Evans, like, run following the cart, which I thought was very weird. They're They've into been- fitness. Like, they're, they're, they're getting their exercise on this golf course. Okay. Yeah, no, um... Ryan falling over, I thought was a good, uh, another funny beat of like background Ryan. Like he was laying in the cart earlier. He like gripped for dear life when Sharpay was driving. And now he's like laying, he's like almost landing on his face. Yeah. Lucas Graybeal or Kenny Ortega or whatever assistant director is like very good at making sure that everyone in the frame is doing something. And it works with Uh, their character. All like, in fact, all of these movies are pretty good at that. Yeah. And even Chad, like, walking up and congratulating Troy, like, stepping out of his role as caddy and moving into his role as friend is really good, too, because he does go up and be like, nice shot, man, like, which is 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 nice. It's funny because usually Sharpay's being caddy, but in this minute, Troy and Chad are being caddies. I don't know why four minutes into golf context, I finally got that joke. But sure, here we are. I want you to keep that entire groan in all like 10 seconds. Of I it. won't even put turn the volume down. I'll actually max it out. So that's all you can hear. Um, um, so Chad has to remind himself like, OK, these rich people are being annoying. But as he says, I'm saving up for a car. That's kind of his mantra. Yeah. Which is a good like. Very realistic thing, like, to remind yourself, dear God, why am I doing this? Oh, yeah, there's something bigger. I found that pretty, pretty realistic. And then we also cut back to Ryan, Mm -hmm. who is also been left behind. And he's like, 
oh man, like, why is my family all being annoying and weird and leaving me behind? Like, he feels left out. And he also, like, has to carry the bag that Troy is supposed to be carrying. Yep. Yeah, um, it's it's Ryan, like, kind of huffy and... It's less of, less of a punchline than what uh, Chad gets, but still a funny moment where it's like, oh, the characters moved off screen, but, like, here's what happened after the characters left. There are still some people left behind. Classic sort of joke of that regard. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that Ryan is wearing one glove? I did not. But that's like a golfer thing, isn't it? I have no idea. It's it's also like a, a, a Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson curly from Of Mice and Men thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know. No, I think that's a golfing thing because I feel like when I've walked by our father napping to golf. I've seen that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it for this minute. Hopefully the golf ends next minute because I don't know how much more of it I can take. Not gonna make it. <laughs> so, Condra, do you have a decom segment for me? I do indeed. So today I'm going to give you the title of a middle grade fiction book. And um, you're gonna adapt it into... I think we're going to go a genre movie because this movie ha- or this book has been adapted into a movie, but it was in 1990. And <laughs> I think the story. So we're, we're doing another take on it. We're doing another take on it. And I think you're you're one to do it, Tyler, because I okay, would like I'm uniquely you, qualified. <laughs> I would like you to adapt the story Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Okay. And this was made in 1990, and it was actually not called Hatchet at the time. It was called A Cry in the Wild. Yeah, so there was a there was a horror franchise in the 80s called Hatchet, like a slasher franchise. That's why they couldn't call it that, but yes. Oh. Okay, I didn't know that, so. Um, um, so, and I was thinking it'd be fun, maybe not as like a space movie, I was trying to think of a, another genre we could go, like, if you wanted to go, like, hardcore fantasy or, I mean, we could do it set on another planet kind of thing or... But then it's just the Martian. Then it's just the Martian, so... But with a potato or a hatchet instead of a <laughs> potato. Um, do, you have a, do you have a direction that you want me to take it in or are you saying I think, pick, pick a direction? I think you should pick a direction. Oh, you could super modernize it and what's the modern equivalent to a hatchet for a survival, like... I want you to take it. You, you have fun with Gary Paulson's hatchet. Do you need me to k- recap it, though, for you? No, no. I know I know hatchet very well. Okay. Do you um, want to recap it for the listeners at home real right. quick? Um, hatchet <laughs> is a survival novel by Gary Paulson. It's about a 12-ish, 13, 14-year-old boy named Brian Robeson who gets in an airplane to visit family in Canada but the airplane crashes, uh, the pilot dies. It's like a small airplane, like with two people in it. The pilot dies when they crash into a small lake in the middle of the Canadian wilderness. Brian escapes and has to survive in the wilderness with only his handy hatchet, which was given to him just before he left to help him survive. He figures out ways to find food and find shelter and eventually gets rescued at the end. So... It's it's a very straightforward survival book, but it, it also touches on the sort of psychological experience for Brian as he's traversing this as well. I remember there was elements of like 
reckoning with family like there were family changes he was going through and the, that was part of it too was like yeah coming and whether of it's age. divorce or yeah there's flashbacks to like his life before and how like him figuring out how to survive is him building the skills that he needs in life stuff like that mm-hmm. so the first option is that we could change the hatchet to like a different type of tool like hatchets <laughs> Those are so old. What if he had a laser printer? (laughs) (laughs) Or a laser cutter. A lightsaber. Uh, (laughs) What if he had a little, a mini lightsaber that he could cut things with? Although that could be kind of interesting, like hatchet, but set in the Star Wars universe where the the hatchet is a mini lightsaber. That'd be fun. I'm sure there's an episode of the Clone Wars that's actually about like a random clone who gets stranded but has a lightsaber to help them survive. Well, that's basically like Empire Strikes Back, the beginning when they're on Hoth. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good example of it. I, I was saying there's probably an episode of Clone Wars that like draws that out. Oh, absolutely. Into like a full I can't think of it concept. right now, but it sounds like an episode <laughs> I watched. What if we turned it into a Canadian propaganda film? Ooh. <laughs> I so like instead this. of instead of whatever the Martin Short movie is in the Canada Pavilion Impression. at Epcot, yeah, they show they show this movie about a a deadly plane crash, but instead of the the dark undertones, it's like, hey, look at all the cool wild animals <laughs> that <laughs> you can see a in Canada. Documentary? Yeah, so Brian Robeson is your um, Les Stroud Bear Grylls figure, who's a survival guy. Um, so who so goes, this is Hatchet 10 years later when he's turned his harrowing experience into a multi-million dollar TV show. Um, well, actually, the the, <laughs> the plot of the sequel to, the, to Hatchet called The, the River, River. <laughs> is about a reporter who wants to go back to where Brian had to survive in the wilderness to like do a story about it, except an accident happens and Brian has to survive with this other guy in the wilderness. So, I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> so we're not far off. So let's, yeah, let's do that. So like they already made Hatchet One, so we're doing the sequel. Let's do the river. Um, so we're doing Hat. We're doing Hatchet Two. We're we're abandoning the this other reporter. We're doing Hatchet Two, where it's kind of like an ironic take on reality TV and Survivor shows, where Brian's like, oh, if Bear Grylls can go out into the wild and survive to make money like that's kind of my thing and then people and but it's like it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago so people are like oh yeah remember this kid that survived in the wilderness now he's like doing a vlog of (laughs) of of him surviving in the wilderness and people are like okay whatever and then you know it sets up as this sort of like thing where it's very cozy and he's not actually doing much and then a disaster happens where now he actually does have to survive and there's not food service or like whatever these things he was doing to sort of cheat. But he does still have his camera working and he's hoping that if he keeps live streaming it, eventually someone will come to rescue him. But they assume that it's all part of the gag, that it's mm-hmm. all part of the story. So no one's actually coming. So he's surviving in the wilderness. This isn't a propaganda film anymore. I actually picked a pretty good direction yeah, for no, this. Yeah, no, I'm like super into this now. I'm like, yeah, um, let's go. Um, so he's surviving in the wilderness and he has to use his old hatchet that he used when he was a kid. And he's kind of reliving not the not the traumas of his young childhood and his parents' divorce, 
by the sort of traumas that not not just visited him from his first time that he had to survive in the wilderness, but the unpacking of it, the media attention that he was getting, the you know the experience that he had in college of kind of being left out because people didn't see him as a real person or the expectations that were placed on him to be this, this sort of hero when in fact where he was just a regular kid. So we're kind of flashing back to these moments in his past. He needs to prove to himself that he is a person whose life is worth living and doesn't have to just be defined by this one thing that he went through when he was a kid. That a, a sort of classic trauma-based story is like, mm-hmm. I am more than my past trauma, but also he's living through it again for himself. So kind of the best of both worlds in terms of him growing, but also him still going through a terrible experience again. So yeah, that's my postmodern ironic hatchet that becomes a real survival story that's got that sort of media criticism in the middle there. And yeah, also kind of a commentary on those reality shows as well. So not a decom, I don't think. <laughs> More like a freeform uh, film. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess it could be a decom. But it, yeah, this is kind of like the adult take on it. <laughs> no, I, I think don't know. a freeform I, film works better for this. <laughs> okay, a, di- a direct-to-TV thing nonetheless. Yeah. Um. Thank you. That was not... I really was not expecting you to go in that direction, and I thank you for it, because I didn't, I felt like, I felt bad that I was just kind of giving you, like, do something with Hatchet, <laughs> so. No, we found a direction. It's, it, to, to reference a podcast, which doesn't actually run anymore, but um, which we have a similar concept to, Story Break, mm-hmm. from the Rocket Jump people. It's like, you, sometimes you pick a thing, and you're like, oh, I want to make a movie of this, and you're like, okay, the story's already there, and then you realize the story that's already there it's already been done. So you need to do a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes, yeah, you d- you pick a direction and you go with it. So that's what we did. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you. I had fun. It's fun to get those creative juices flowing. And I know you like hatchets, so. Oh, yeah. I liked it when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Actually, I think the uh, some of the, the fifth graders that I work with do actually, so- one of the classes actually reads hatchet, so. I read it in fifth <laughs> grade. We had a whole, like, survival novel unit. And I think li- I read it on my own in fourth grade, and then we also read it in fifth grade. Yeah, my survival unit books were Hatchet and Behind the Bedroom Wall, which was a Holocaust novel. Oh, we read The K. <gasps> I love The K. Anyway. We also read The K, <laughs> but getting beyond there, because that, that one's got some things going on with it that I'm not going to get into right now. <laughs> we don't have time to get into The K. We're on a different tropical resort lava springs hotel or lava springs country club I, that didn't really work but you know yeah high school musical we have a podcast about it where can people find us on the internet if they want to talk about it more people can find us on the twitter at amateur nerds or me personally at tyler booty t-y-l-e-r-b-o-u-d-y you can send us an email to amateur nerds present at gmail.com yeah tell us your favorite middle fiction survival book Please, we'd love to potentially spin it into a weird movie in a future. Is it um, the the Call of the Wilds? Is it Jack London? Is it is it Gary Paulson? Who's your favorite? 
What's the My Side of the Mountain one? That one's good. Oh, that's the one I was trying to remember. Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at T Golden Art on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I've been Condra. And I've been Tyler. And we'll catch you next time for an episode that's more about the frivolities of life at the country club and less about surviving in the wilderness. You can bet on it. (laughs) 